It's officially game week, and you should be excited regardless of your expectations for the season. I'll explain why next on this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Corner. Waits for it, Nip Corner. This is no time for that. In the pocket and a sack. Tim Jamison. Brady gets terrific. Throws it, and it, touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got him. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Collinger at the five on his feet. Touchdown, Michigan. On its way. It's good. He's 5'7", 179 pounds. A junior at Michigan. But Jamie Morris packs a wallop. And he delivers for Bo Schindler. And here's your first play. Pressure coming. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson and Michigan. Winner. We're going to win the championship again because we're going to play as a team. And when we play as a team, and the old season is over, you and I know it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. Steve Dace, welcome to this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. And yes, our long national nightmare is over. The most wonderful time of the year has finally arrived. The 2021 college football season has already kicked off. Sorry, Huskers. But for the rest of the country, it kicks off in earnest here over Labor Day weekend, including our beloved Michigan Wolverines against Western Michigan at, we think, a somewhat or pretty close to capacity big house for the first time since 2019. And let's face it, we haven't seen Michigan win a home game in a while, uh, a long while. So it'll be nice to get one of those. But I know that expectations for this season are fairly anemic. Uh, John Borton at the Wolverine uses the analogy of Michigan fans are are basically a a collective fan base of people with their arms crossed. Show us. Um, I love that analogy. I think it is very apropos. Uh, I would be in that camp as well. I mean, just a few years ago, I was on here slugging some blue Kool-Aid in a clip that went viral, if you remember. It seems as this as if though a lot of things have gone downhill since then. But we should be excited. Not just as college football fans should be excited anyway. I mean, any sport where there's a there's an alert that the team has brought backup cleats 
just in case their shoes melt to the turf. That that happened in the Fresno State-UConn game on Saturday. Got to love a sport with a melting shoes alert. All right, but as Michigan fans, we should be excited as well. Here's why. We have been cannibalizing one another over speculation, ponderance, uh, over meanderings, wonderment. Where are we as a team? Where are we as a program? Where are we headed? And you know what we need more than anything? We just need some conclusive answers. Whether you think Jim Harbaugh is the hostess with the mostess, whether you think he should have been fired, whether you're somewhere in between, whether you are slurping the Kool-Aid because it's game week and why not be optimistic, whether you're one of those fans sitting with their arms crossed that we just described, or you've given up, whichever one of these camps you're in, we all root for the maize and blue. We're all Michigan fans. And these camps, these sects, these these tribes have, have kind of developed because we've lacked answers. And so we're down to pontifications and projections. What we need are defined answers. We're not the players. We're not the coaches. We can't give those answers to one another. Only the program can give us those answers. And, and now we're going to get some. And to me, I think the number one goal, I mean, obviously, I'm a Michigan fan. I want to win every game. I'm too old to sit here and say, hey, you know, let's have so-and-so sucks. We can go get coach so-and-so instead. I mean, first of all, the last year and a half hasn't taught us not to take a year for granted. I don't know what would other than death itself, okay? So uh, I, I want to win, man. I, I don't care if the coach is Elmer Fudd. I don't care if the coach is a, is a pansexual vegan. I mean, I, I just, I just want to win, okay, period. I'd love it if the coach was my favorite player of my childhood, Jim Harbaugh. But if the, if the coach is um, Sirius Black, Lord Voldemort, okay, maybe not him, uh, Captain Kangaroo, as long as they're winning and not producing menaces to society, then I'm in. I just, I just want to win. I root for Michigan, not the name of the head coach. And I think that what we need more than anything now, regardless of which of these camps you're in, is to sit back and let the season play itself out. Not project our particular bias onto it and demand that every time they do something wrong, see, I knew it was over. Every time they do something right, see, I told you, last year was a fluke. Let's just let the results play out. We might come in here next week and Michigan names the score against Western. Steve, are you drinking the Kool-Aid? I don't know, man. I, I watched Michigan name the score against Appalachian State in 2014, and Kirk Herbstreit was talking about how we look like a national title contender. That team went 5-7, and seven, got Brady Hoke fired. I remember just last year, we blew Minnesota out first week. We were thinking, hey, we might this might be our year. Yeah, not so much. I remember 2003, Michigan struggled at home against Central Michigan, I think it was. Came back the next week and shut out Notre Dame 38 0. 2006, Michigan kind of sleptwalked through a game with Vanderbilt. Next week, went down to South Bend, beat number two Notre Dame, took them behind the woodshed in their own crib. So let's just let the season play itself out. 
The results will speak for themselves, and then we will finally get answers to the questions and controversies that have divided us as Michigan fans over this last year plus. Now, if you're looking for answers to your sports wagering questions, want to tell you about our new partners over at BetQL. If you want to get an advantage over your sportsbook, you need to download BetQL. It's the only app you'll need to make smart bets. Their Best Bets computer model scans over 350,000 unique bets per year in order to give you a best bet recommendation for every game across all major sports and gives you the reasoning behind why you should place that bet. It's a model that covers everything from spreads to over-unders, even player props. If you don't want to use the model and prefer to do the research yourself, BetQL has all the necessary tools for your research need. And this is something I like to do. They give you sharp data so that you know who the pros are backing. The guys who do this for a living, where are they placing their money? That's good information to know. Between line movements, breaking news, you get it all over at BetQL. So head to the App Store or Google Play Store now, download BetQL, and you can also head to trybetql.com. Dot co slash mp. Let me give you that address one more time. Try betql.co slash mp to get started now. When you go there, enter the discount code MP for Michigan Podcast. Use the discount code MP at payment checkout, and you're gonna get 25% off all of their any or any of their subscription findings. 25% off when you use the promo code MP at checkout at trybetql.co slash mp. Again, that promo code is mp for 25% off at betql. And for the first time officially here in the 2021 season, it is time for the 10-minute war and our good friend and maybe the world's only reasonable Ohio State Buckeye, Mark Rogers, the voice of college football himself with a phenomenal channel right here on YouTube. Good to see you again, my friend, and happy game week to you. Now, Mark, are you a guy that loves like all the offseason speculation and debate, uh, or are you a guy that's like, hey, now, enough of that crap, bring on the games? Paul, we're not NBA fans here. It, it, the championship series doesn't end, and then we wait three weeks, and they go right back to training camp. This is the longest offseason in profession in um, American sports, and we've got. I saw the Freudian slip you almost games. did there. I heard you. I know. I, I'm feeling you, but <laughs> it go almost ahead. Came yeah. out. Yeah. Twelve precious games, Steve. Especially if your team's maybe not going to make it to postseason play. Uh, 12, 12 precious games. That's all we've got. So yes, I am done with the talking for as much as we like to do that and speculate and conjecture and do all those things and roll out the predictions and all of it. We finally, at this time next week, Steve, we get to talk about football that we actually watched recently. Yes, finally it's here. All right. We're going to talk plenty of Michigan, but I would be remiss if I did not ask you about what that was with Nebraska on Saturday. Now, I I thought all offseason Illinois would win the game. Um, and I think you saw both in terms of competency and adjustments, the difference a guy like a, a Brett Bielema makes, uh, the, the level of physical play that Illinois was able to sustain for four quarters. But, man, I mean, there, there were 52 points scored in that game. 
And I would argue all but 14 actually were scored by Nebraska. It's just half of those points were credited to the Illini. I mean, the amount of boneheaded mistakes and errors, if this is the end of Scott Frost, that that 30 yards and penalties, which swung the game and it never really swung back. You know, Frost said afterwards, uh, you know, th- th- it feels like this is the same movie. Dude, you're the director. The cast changes, but you remain. What were your thoughts just watching the kinds of meltdowns that have to just make Bob Devaney turn over in his grave. You would think when these two teams get together that it would be Illinois making those kind of mistakes with the first year uh, for them, head coach and a new coaching staff and all the changes and in acclimation to the new staff and new schemes and new terminology. But here you've got a guy that's going into his fourth season. And yeah, we're seeing the same mistakes out of Nebraska. Plus, just evaluating the Nebraska talent, I think they've got a pretty sound defense. Not a great defense, pretty sound defense. The I defense think it's a sound defensive front front seven. Yeah. Okay. The offense is just it's just nothing but mediocrity all over the place. I believe Illinois pressured on something like thirty percent of Nebraska's pass pass attempts in the game. I was hearing all offseason, I run a Nebraska show, we do it on Tuesday nights, that Nebraska, just the offensive line, just these guys are just bigger and stronger, and they're just going to dominate games. Uh, the the running game, the the running backs themselves, I know that they started for the first time ever in Gabe Irvin, a first-time freshman starter at Nebraska at running back, but nobody looks special. Nobody looks explosive. Nobody looks dynamic. Nobody looks like next-level Sunday players at the skill position players for Nebraska. And we know that the quarterback, hey, I am the first one to say we watch too much Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees on Sunday and expect these guys to be perfect. They're going to miss passes. He misses like four or five out of every 10 mm-hmm. passes to open guys. It's awful. It will be fascinating to see. I mean, the next two weeks they've got gimmies and then they go to Norman, Oklahoma. I'm doing the Steve Carell Yikes from the office uh, right now. All right, let's get to the Wolverines. So I open up the show by pointing out, regardless of where, it, you know, our, our fan base is fairly divided right now. And that, that happens in fan bases when things aren't going well. All right, you've, you have your hard loyalists, your absolute terminationists, your I don't care who the coach is, I just want to win pragmatists, right? And so these camps kind of break down, and then within them there's breakdowns of, you know, what's the cause for why you're in the camp that you're in? And, and this happens when you're not unified behind the, the belief in success and trajectory of your program. And, and, and what I cautioned everybody is, is to not immediately jump on, I want my, because of all that off-season conjecture as you talked about, I want to make snap judgments, have my narrative affirmed right away. So Michigan comes out and dominates on Saturday. I don't know. I mean, we watched them dominate Appalachian State in 2014. Kirk Herbstreit said this looks like a national championship club. They ended up 5-7 and seven and got Brady Oak fired. I mean, we came out last year, dominated Minnesota. It was a rare win on the road against a ranked team for Harbaugh. And then that ended up being one of the worst seasons historically in Michigan history. But I remember two of Lloyd Carr's best teams – just kind of slept walk through openers. Central Michigan in 03. Next week, they beat Notre Dame 38-0. Vanderbilt in 06. Next week, they go down and play number two Notre Dame in South Bend and get maybe the biggest win Michigan football has had uh, since the 1997 National Championship, or at least Tom Brady and the, the 2000 Orange Bowl. So uh, don't make a bunch of snap judgments, sure. But there's got to be some things we're looking to see in this game, Mark. What is it you're looking for? So you can't jump to the positive. So you can't say because it's Western Michigan, okay, we were able to do A, B, and C, therefore we're really good. 
but you can with a dominant performance say oh at least we're not at least we're doing what we're supposed to be doing so for me jim harbaugh had much to say in uh, stamping his approval on Cade McNamara as the starter, that he makes the players around him uh, better, and that's what a good quarterback should do. He's a leader. I, I really can't put myself in the position to make those evaluations watching at home. And, by the way, am I going to watch Michigan and Western Michigan? There's a lot of good football on Saturday. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think gonna... Penn State and uh, Wisconsin's on at that exact same time, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to be watching the cutdown version maybe on Tuesday. But we'll get to it before we come back here. All right. What I want to see out of Cade McNamara is doing the things that he's known for. He's not known as a dynamic athlete or some kind of great generational talent, but he makes the right decisions. He makes the right reads. Is he truly that guy that's going to do that in what should be a fairly much of a warm-up game for Washington? Um, the other thing I want to see from this team is – we have in Western Michigan a veteran quarterback in Caleb Ellaby coming back. Uh, they've got two receivers coming back who did damage last year. Uh, they've got Ladarius Jefferson, a running back uh, transfer from Michigan State, and their top three running backs coming back. They were number one in the nation, small sample size, of course, but in, in explosive rate, explosive offensive rate. So can Michigan eliminate the big plays given up on defense and I use for my sample size or, or my example of what we should see out of Michigan going back one week to the other Power 5 game in UCLA taking on Hawaii. Does UCLA really prove anything in beating Hawaii like a drum? Not necessarily, but they did what they're supposed to do as a UCLA against Hawaii. The Hawaii quarterback, who's a veteran, Shafane uh, Cordero, he was flustered out of his mind. No fault to his his offensive line was being dominated in that game. They, they basically couldn't run their offense. And that's the type of Michigan defensive performance we need to see. Are they going to bully and bruise the other team at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball? Because there's many questions, of course, about this uh, Michigan offensive line as well. Are they going to be a dominant force because they're going to have to face the Wisconsins of the world later? So... Have you heard or seen anything as you've been covering the team? And I get your updates in my timeline that um, I, I understand that uh, you like to see other Michigan people. I get that. We're in an open relationship. I understand. Okay. So I, I know you've covered Michigan quite a bit with others over the last few weeks on your channel. Have you seen or heard anything that, and you know me, man, I'm from Missouri right now. You got to show me kind of thing, okay? You know, I'm one of those Michigan fans with their arms crossed that people are talking about. I'm just going to wait until I see what I see. I, I do think it's tough not to notice. I mean, Harbaugh even talked about injuries yesterday, dude. I'm like, at this point, he needs a, we need to give him a urine test. He's talking injuries. He's volunteering information. He's jovial. He's likable. Uh, says he's down to his playing weight. He's noticeably thinner. So... Short of that, and I don't, I don't know what that means other than I think that shows you after last year on a personal level, he kind of made some renewed commitment to uh, did some form of introspection about where he and the program were, right? Which you should do when your boss cuts your pay by 50%. Uh, but have you seen or heard anything over the course of camp covering the team, Mark, that for better or for worse changes your perspective or outlook on what you think we're going to see this fall? Well, in just the way you set up the question, 
you you lend it to exactly what we are limited to in covering these teams in college football during August versus what our counterparts in the NFL get to see. You go out to training camp every day. It's right there for you to see each and every day. Even the fans can go out there and watch and, and see who's progressing and who's not. Uh, it's a lot about uh, – Sure, video comes out and, and the media is able to, depending on the team in, in question, able to go out there. Typically, I'll take some, for example, 30 minutes per week to usually see the guys just kind of throw the ball around a little bit and stretch. And that's about it. So we got to read a lot of this from the players and the coaches as well. I do find it fascinating what what you alluded to just in terms of Jim Harbaugh and sometimes in urgent and pressure situations, it comes to a point where you just maybe the pressure's off because he figures yeah. this is this is do or die right now so right. the pressure's off we're gonna let it all roll gonna let it all hang out and i'll give it my best and if it doesn't work out that's fine i'll move on to the next job and uh so so maybe in a strange way the pressure's off i kind of wonder about that too right the whole thing the contract is out there it's and and it because he isn't a typical coach in that not just his own idiosyncrasies as a human that are well documented but but you are talking about a player that um I mean we've seen great college players you know like Steve Spurrier won a Heisman at Florida and then of course led them to a national championship you know Jim was third in the Heisman trophy but keep in mind he's the first Michigan quarterback that ever threw a touchdown pass in the NFL that was ever a first round pick in the NFL um, you know, this is a guy who was captain comeback in the NFL. So these kind of let it ride pressure situations. I almost wonder, is he more comfortable there than in a let's have a really studious three to four year look at something? Because that's the world players live in, right? They played in the NFL, which stands for, as Jerry Glanville once famously said, not for long when you pull horse bleep like that, right? All right. So, I mean, these are, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an industry where the average career is slightly less than four years. And that's if you don't get injured. So is this almost more of a native habitat for a guy like him than a typical coaching environment or ecosystem? Does that make any sense? Uh, it does make sense, and I think he's also been pretty open about the the important people in his life and the people that he respects and trusts, and him leaning on them a little bit more during this off season to gain some. Uh, his brother being one example, and so maybe they've gotten a hold of him, gotten him down to a conversation to basically say, you know, let's go back to who you are. Who are you? Forget the outside noise. Forget all that. Just be who you are. And if it works out, that'll be amazing. If it doesn't, hey, uh, you gave it your best shot. You've been successful elsewhere. You've been successful to a large degree here. Let's put it in perspective and you'll move on. It's not the end of the world. So be who you are. At least go down uh, being true to yourself and what you believe in. Well put. All right, final thing. Now that we're in season mode, I want to end our chats every week with the following two questions, okay? A, the big story for Michigan football you and I will be talking about next week is what? And then B, the big story in the Big Ten that everyone will be talking about next week is what? So the big story for Michigan football amongst most people will be the performance of Cade McNamara because it comes with a position and it comes with an unproven player in the position. But for me to expound on that is going to be the offensive play calling. 
Uh, we've heard so much about identity concerning this football team, particularly on offense and what that means. So much was brought uh, to the table by Josh Gaddis in regards to talk about being um, creative and being uh, speed in space, high powered. Up. Yes. Speed in space. Yes. Yeah. Everybody does that. Stab me. Yes. So I want to see what the identity of this offense is. I want to see what type of play calls they call in certain situations, uh, in addition to the play of Kate McNamara. Now, in the Big Ten, uh, the Big Ten putting its best foot forward in regards to scheduling this week, certainly conference games that matter, Wisconsin, Penn State, Iowa, Indiana, Ohio State, Minnesota. Um, I want to see what Michael Penix looks like coming off injury against that Iowa defense. I think that's going to be crucial, of of course, to their um, season, but also to the Big Ten Eastern Division race, uh, possibly. And uh, I want to see who comes out of that swinging. So this first game for those four teams in particular, Wisconsin, Penn State, Iowa, Indiana, you're basically taking that first large step forward to championship contention, uh, especially in the East where somebody's got to step up to challenge uh, Ohio State. So to see who's ready, who possibly could be more fringe top 10 worthy versus fringe top 25 worthy coming out of those two ball games for me and Sean Clifford in particular, his performance on the road at Wisconsin, where he has typically not performed well as a Penn State quarterback in big games on the road against quality competition. Indeed. Uh, the Clifford Mertz, who takes the step forward there in that game, could go a long way in, in shaping the Big Ten race for the remainder of the season, even though it's only week one. And what a week it is. So many great games. Uh, it gets started on Thursday. doesn't end until Monday. I love this first weekend every single year. Mark, it's exciting. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Good to see you again, my friend, and we will do it again next week. Great to see you, Steve. Thank you so much. And now for the first time history is made here on Michigan Podcast, you will hear the voice of our producer, Aaron. Aaron, tell us about our new partner on the show, DraftKings. Well, before I do that, I've got a question for you, Steve. Do you think the result of the Clemson-Georgia game will be over 24 points? Uh, way over. Way over? Yeah. Like how far over? Like uh, I would... It, it, I would say at least a total of 50. Well, that's really, really cool because right now the official sports book of Michigan podcast has a promotion going. If you think that the Clemson-Georgia game will go over 24 points, you can bet the over at plus 100. Right now, the, uh, the, the total is sitting at 24, another 1,500 bets, and it'll go down to 23 and a half points. You see how this works? This is a what they call a no-brainer bet. You can't, you can't lose this you bet, cannot, basically. You cannot lose this bet. They do this type of stuff all of the time during football season. Another one. Do you think Tampa Bay will lose at all uh, during their opener against the Cowboys, Steve? Like ever be behind in the game? Uh, do you just think they'll lose? No, I don't think they'll lose. Do you lose. think they'll lose? We don't by... know if the Cowboys will have Dak Prescott. They, we know they can't play any defense, so no, I don't think they'll lose. Do you think they'll lose by fewer than 74 points? I'm confident they – I'm even more confident there, that another, they will lose by yeah. fewer than 74 points. There's another yes. no-brainer bet for you from our friends at DraftKings, the official sportsbook of Michigan Podcast and Bigger Ten. Check them out over at uh, DraftKings.com if you live in a state where sports betting is legal. 
All right, we'll come back. We have our Twitter poll results and our feedback of the week next. This week's Twitter poll results, we asked you, what player are you most excited to see to get their first meaningful action in a Michigan uniform on Saturday? Not surprisingly, I knew Donovan Edwards when I posted this poll. I knew Donovan Edwards would win going away. First of all, it's a glamorous position. Secondly, uh, he's a five-star recruit. Thirdly, uh, it's a local kid. So I knew he would win going away. I was really curious to see who was going to finish second. Nakai Hill-Green, who won one of the inside linebacker spots, uh, the redshirt freshman, he barely edges out Jackson State transfer Dalen Baldwin, the wide receiver. There's a lot of hype around him. Although the most important player on this list could be the guy that actually got the fewest votes, DJ Turner, uh, who looks to be one of the starting cor- who looks to be the starting corner opposite Jamon Green. That second corner position was a very weak spot for Michigan a year ago. Not a great season for incumbent Vincent Gray, and it looks like he's been dethroned by Turner. And we need to see that Turner did it because of merit, uh, not because of uh, the decline of Vincent Gray. Otherwise, you're going to see that spot get picked on again this fall too. That brings us to our feedback of the week. This is from Ben, who says, no matter what happens this season, I'm just happy I'm not a Nebraska fan. I'm not old enough to remember powerhouse Nebraska, but gee, has there ever been such a fall from grace? At least we've been able to win 10 games. Indeed, Nebraska, by the way, folks, 18 and 33 in its last 51 college football games. If you can believe it, 18 and 33. And hey, once again, thank you to our sponsor, BetQL. It's the only app you're going to need to beat your sportsbook. You can find their information along with a 25% off discount code in the description of this video. And also check out their special BetMGM offer in the description in order to receive a free year of BetQL and other sportsbooks, sign-up offers, and bonuses. BetQL, it's the number one app to compare betting odds. It's a must-get if you want to beat your sportsbook this week football season and finally also don't forget follow us on twitter at michigan podcast to keep up to date on what we think all things wolverines in between episodes like rate subscribe share follow whichever the case may be here whether it's youtube itunes stitcher google play thanks to all of you that have left us those reviews we appreciate it they help us to find more michigan fans just like you i'm steve dace until next week go Wolverines.